Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that celebrates the men and women who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And I want to, I want to welcome our Jackson uh, listeners and our listeners from uh, from the uh, uh, Mississippi Delta. And I also want to welcome our new sponsor, Citizens Bank. I'm thrilled to have Citizens Bank as the new sponsor of this show. In fact, I'm now operating from the Citizens Bank studio, and. Uh, we are we're thrilled to have them and uh, hope to be in the Citizens Bank studio for, for, for a long time to come. Um, hey, you may uh, not know this. Of course, the coast, the coast market probably knows about this because I've talked about it a lot, but I have this love of the Mississippi Delta. I have a place up there. I spend a lot of time up there, especially this time of the year. And um, one of the conversations as I look back on, the, on sort of the body of work of my show is a conversation I had with Bill Luckett. Uh, Bill Luckett is a for, was the former mayor of Clarksdale. He was a, a lawyer. He he's uh, he was Morgan Freeman's uh, partner on the Ground Zero Blues Club, and I had a long, wonderful conversation with uh, with Bill about the Mississippi Delta, his love of Clarksdale, his vision about how to connect to the soul of blues blues music in a way that uh, put. Clarksdale and put the Mississippi Delta on the international stage. And not long after this long interview with Bill, um, or long conversation with Bill, he he unfortunately passed away. So it may be the last long-form interview that Bill that Bill was able to give us. He was such a historian, so, so passionate about Clarksdale and uh, and the blues scene and Mississippi, just just terrific. Um, along the way, though, I keep hearing this name, Roger Stoll, and uh, I've really been looking forward to the opportunity to have him on my show. He he owns uh, Cathead Delta Blues and Folk Art, uh, celebrating his 21st year as, in the, as a Mississippi blues storm. Uh, store, excuse me, and he is a former executive, corporate executive that came back to Mississippi to, as he put it, uh, really start to help organize and promote blues from within. I just love that story. And without any further ado, let me ask Roger to join me and just, uh, first of all, say uh, good afternoon. How you doing, Roger? Good. How are you? Thanks for having I'm, me on. Am I saying your last name correctly, Stoll? No, that's all right. Uh, Stolly. Yeah, totally. totally. Okay. I should have asked you before we started the show, but it, it is what it is. It is what it is. I apologize for the, for that mispronunciation. Um, how you doing, man? How's life in Clarksdale these days? It's great, and it's been very busy. You know, we have two uh, primary festival seasons, uh, one being April into May and one being primarily October, late September into October. So uh, as we... As we tape this, we've just come off four weekends in a row of festivals. We skip festivals this weekend, but then we'll have another festival the following weekend. So we, we keep busy with the blues, with tourism efforts, with downtown revitalization. And as you say, Bill Luckett was a real key part of that. Uh, not just 
you know, when you talk to him. But early on, when a lot of people just were naysayers, quite frankly, and uh, he has helped people see the light. It was a, it was a beautiful conversation. He he shared a story that I know you know well, but it was he wasn't it wasn't until he was in his forties that he began to really zero in on this incredible history and uh, what sort of Clarksdale sort of being the, the, the literally ground zero for the blues movement. He said so many so many of them were from there or they had to pass through there, but he came to understand that. And he, talk, he reflected about the conversation that he and Morgan Freeman had as they walked through downtown where, where, um, where, he, said, where he said to Morgan that you know, people want to know where live mu- blues music can, uh, can be heard here on a regular basis. And and uh, Morgan said back to him, uh, "Are they able to hear that? Are they able to, to listen to that?" And um, at the time, they weren't. And and so things started to evolve rapidly about about that. And and it's amazing what's happened in the past twenty five years or so, isn't it? It is incredible. <clears throat> so I was a I'm a former tourist. Uh, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Stumbled into advertising after college ultimately ended up in St. Louis in, uh, what, February 1995. So for about six or six and a half years, I would visit here. Initially, when I say here, it was North Mississippi, uh, blues country, uh, really the Dead Man Blues Tour, or there's some air quotes uh, back then, because, you know, you could be here on a Saturday night in the Delta, and sometimes it was hard to find some real blues actually happening. Um, as I kept visiting through the years, I honed in on Clarksdale because it had the most I don't know, infrastructure of blues and, and interest for me, uh, the people, places, and things. But still, you could be here. In the summer of 2000, I was in Clarksdale on a Saturday night, and there was no blues, no music whatsoever, which was insane to me as a visitor because I'd gotten to know all these musicians and venue owners and people of interest in that realm. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, it's not every, you know, every weekend. Um, now, Ground Zero Blues Club, when it opened in 2001, immediately helped to uh, sort of with that issue of the weekends, at least. Uh, more or less, every Friday and Saturday after that point had some blues you could be guaranteed of. Uh, but that was not enough, I didn't think, to build true tourism off of in such a way that it would actually lead towards downtown redevelopment and revitalization and sort of put Clarksdale on the map with a brand that you could market people would arrive and you could actually deliver on the promise because that's the worst thing. If you, uh, you advertise or market, uh, talk about, spread the word about having, you know, we're the blues town. And then people are here, you know, Monday through, well, Sunday through Thursday back then was crickets, you know, (laughs) nothing. Uh, sometimes miss Sarah, uh, who's no longer with us. Uh, she was trying to do Thursday nights, her little soul food kitchen. Um, but my vision was, okay, you get the folks who were going back then, at least, from Memphis to New Orleans or vice versa, doing the, the music pilgrimage, um, you know, folks from overseas, domestic visitors. Um, now we also loop Nashville into that, that mix. But you get those folks coming through while well, they were spending the weekends in those bigger cities because they knew about them. Uh, they'd come through here on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and there'd be nothing. You know, frankly, early in the week, almost I mean, the downtown was pretty empty back then anyway of businesses, but, you know, nothing was really open on a Monday. So that's what we really, that was my mission when I moved here to start covering off as many nights as possible. We've gone from one or two nights a week to 
365 now. Even Christmas night, I'll find somebody to open and do something so we can say we're 365. Uh, we also had only one music festival back then, which was great. Sunflower River Blues and Gospel Festival still goes on in August. Uh, we also had back then and still have it, just had it last weekend, the Tennessee Williams Festival here since he uh, spent time here in his youth. Uh, so we had two festivals back then. This year we have something like 14 or 15 that we'll have completed by next weekend. Now, some are very small and some are more successful than others. Uh, but the point is to go from a couple nights a week of live blues and one blues festival to having over a dozen annual festivals, 365 live music. Um, you can see why we have all these new businesses downtown, uh, why we have all these really cool and unique places to stay at all price levels, frankly from an award-winning hostel to, you know, luxury lofts downtown to the Traveler's Hotel to apartments above Ground Zero Blues Club, of course, Shack Up Inn. Um, you know, this could not have happened without blues music and without real serious tourism efforts. Um, it also takes a lot of locals and a lot of folks who've moved here. Uh, it's a real ad hoc assemblage of people with the passion either for their town, Clarksdale, and or, you know, the music. You know, what's interesting to me about the people who come through the Delta, um, some are just getting introduced and becoming aware of it. I mean, they may be maybe taking a, a tour of the Blues Trail, which I think is a wonderful, like as as my, as my friend uh, used to say, it's, it's the largest open-air museum in the United States. But to be able to bring you back to these specific places so you can see and, and feel some of the influences. So some people are being introduced in that way. Other people... It was interesting to hear Bill Luckett talk about. It. He said it could go into Ground Zero Club on a Friday or Saturday night, and 50% of the people who might who might be in there, and certainly before the pandemic, were not even from the U.S. <laughs> they were from, and he would name all the countries. Uh, certainly, the British blues movement was a big thing because people who came who come there from here tend to be very educated. They understand that Eric Clapton and Bob Dylan and Keith Richards and Robert Plant and the Beatles and so many others were influenced dramatically by it, and then they're aware of folks like Kingfish, who you know came through the uh, the 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 uh, blues museum and the outreach that they're doing there. And you've got all this great talent; they they know about these folks. So it's, when we come back on the other side, I want to talk a little bit about some of those influences and how literate people are that walk in your store. I bet some of them are literally blues historians and want to want to talk to you about that. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue our, our conversation with Roger Stoley. We'll see you after this.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend uh, coming to us from Clarksdale today, Roger Stoley, and um, he, he's a he's a bit of a historian. He's got a marketing hat. He's got a he's got a entrepreneur hat. He's got a historian's hat. He's uh, he's hitting on a lot of different cylinders. When we went to break, though, we we're talking about how. There are some people who are just beginning to really appreciate, like Bill Luckett did in his 40s, that, wow, Mississippi does have this great connection to music. I mean, you th- I mean, I, I say it all the time, but I think it makes so much sense. You think about the, the we are the birthplace of American music, the, the king of rock and roll, the father of country music, the, the, the king of blues, all came from, from Mississippi. And where Roger really focuses his attention is on that blues part. We said that you know, some could walk in your store and they're just now sort of beginning to get to understand that history. Some, somebody might come over from England and just blow you away with what they know about it, but they want to connect to that. It's amazing the awareness that's developing around the world about the, the, the impact that Mississippi has had on music around the world, isn't it? It's incredible. And you're exactly right. You get folks who come through strictly because we're on the way from you know, Nashville, Memphis to New Orleans or vice versa. And then you get the folks who come and, you know, you think about the money they are spending and the vacation time they are allocating to come from overseas and spend a couple weeks strictly doing really what they consider, you know, the Americana Music Triangle or the, the Blues Highway. And some will start up even in Chicago and come on down, sort of reverse migration. And others concentrate more on Mississippi and what's really close but it's incredible. We get, you know, authors and documentarians and journalists and uh, just crazy collectors and folks who've been into the music for just most of their lives. And as you mentioned earlier, things like the British invasion. I mean, it, it's incredible. I mean, that this music that came from here mostly went north first to Chicago, let's say, then ends up in the UK and England. And yeah, you have uh, just the disciples then bringing it back to us, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Rolling Stones or Clapton or anybody. Um, And it's interesting, the stories you talk about Bill Luckett coming to the blues, really sort of understanding the significance, maybe in his 40s, where our current tourism director, Bubba O'Keefe, who's fantastic, visit ClarksdaleTourism.com. He sort of, the eye-opener for him was when he was a kid and his dad owned a Stucky store over in Como, Mississippi. And they had this older gentleman who worked there pumping gas, doing odd chores, named Mr. Fred. And he got to just sort of know him casually and always talk to him and sit outside with him. And uh, one day, Bubba's older brother, Ken, brings home the new Rolling Stones album. And there's Mississippi Fred McDowell credited for a song. And they put it all together and realized, that's him. <laughs> it's like, that's the guy the, the Rolling Stones are covering Mr. Fred's song. Uh, just things like that. It's just like you know, mind blown. Um, You have Sid Graves, who founded the Delta Blues Museum here in Clarksdale, Mississippi, who folks should definitely check out if they come here. And as you mentioned, the arts and education program at the museum um, has helped us really keep feeding the blues highway with blues uh, performers like Kingfish. Um, But Sid Graves in 1979 finally had seen enough people walking around in shorts the wrong time of year or taking pictures or with backpacks on or just clearly lost looking for something and realized, oh, 
all these folks are here because of blues. They're looking either for live blues or they want to see where Muddy Waters grew up, things like that. And so he founded the Delta Blues Museum as a little sort of temporary daily exhibit that eventually grew into the, the massive museum it is today. Um, but I love those stories of locals, well, frankly speaking, white locals who, you know, this music was going on, generally speaking, the other side of the tracks or out in the countryside, and they were aware of it, uh, but it wasn't necessarily part of their daily life. Um, and to sort of become aware of it and realize folks from overseas know more about this than I do. And so, you know, many of them started to get into it then and try to learn more about it and make those connections. And, you know, today, what's awesome, you mentioned the Mississippi Blues Trail, uh, and folks can see that online at msbluestrail.org. It's also a free app. And it's over 200 Blues Trail markers. Most of them are placed where history happened. And to stand where history happened to me is always incredible. And there are a number of those markers here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. They're really scattered all over the all over the uh, the state of Mississippi. But boy, when you get into the Mississippi Delta, it tells a hell of a story. For example, I, I tell you, the, I passed. I've always had an appreciation, having been a drummer and and uh, again banging on the piano a little bit. What I bang is mostly blues. I had an appreciation for the music. Um, I did not. I did not, as a young person, have an appreciation for Mississippi. Mississippi's role in the history of blues. That's that's the thing I came to appreciate more as an adult. But uh, one of the places I used to hunt uh, was on Money Road right outside of Greenwood, and I'd passed a blues marker for Robert Johnson. And one day I, I stopped and I read it, and I started to do some research about, it, about him, and I wanted to understand who is this guy. And the more I read, the more I got blown away. Uh, it reminds me of, a, of a, the potter, the mad potter, of, of, of uh, Biloxi, his name is George Orr, he wasn't discovered till long after he died. And in, and in, of course, Robert Johnson's uh, uh, story, I think he recorded in 1936, 1937, somewhere in that range, about 29 songs. But it wasn't until a record was produced in like 1961 that he really got discovered. And then you start to understand the impact he had on people like Eric Clapton because of what he did. First of all, he's a great blues singer, but it also the way he played that guitar in a way that sounded like it was more than one guitar. And 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 some of the great guitarists were just flabbergasted and how did he do that and learning how to do that to the point that even Eric Clapton even covered some of his songs and did an album about it. Um, but you see all of these incredible um, contributions that were made and 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 now you see history beginning to be appreciated <laughs> in very significant ways. And and Clarksdale is the capital of that. Really, I mean, there there are other significant events that happened all over the Mississippi Delta, but Clarksdale is literally ground zero, isn't it? It's amazing if you look at a map and see how many blues musicians over the last hundred years have either been born in in Clarksdale or lived in Clarksdale, and certainly. You know, thousands have come through and played at different times, uh, but it really is amazing. It really is sort of the epicenter, uh, truthfully, because it was surrounded by all these cotton plantations. And, um, you know, you had a lot of customers for the music during its heyday. And a character like Robert Johnson, of course, is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, Cathead Delta Blues and Folk Art, I should tell people, is a retail store. And uh, I've probably sold eight different Robert Johnson books and three different Robert Johnson documentaries through time. Um, so he's, you know, he's something else because we're always finding out new facts. And, uh, of course, the mythology is incredible. 
you know, the Blues Trail marker that you saw on Money Road is actually uh, placed near the third headstone in the third cemetery. <laughs> right. <laughs> Headstones right. Robert Johnson. <laughs> and even on the Blues Trail marker, it declares he's believed to be buried here. So, you know. Right, uh, exactly. And then and then and then there's also the mystique around the crossroads. Absolutely. And you know, Bill Bill made his case at the crossroads right there near you. Yeah, so if you believed it was sixty one and forty nine highways, which is where the marker is placed at actually not the current location, but the previous location of about fifteen years ago. Um, there is a really cool two guitars crossing that says the crossroads next to Abe's barbecue in Clarksdale. Um, but if you believe it was 49 and 61, that location misses it by just a couple years. We probably would have had to make this deal. And for those who don't know, it's a Faustian kind of pact. Um, the deal with Robert Johnson was that he went to a crossroads at midnight, made a deal with a devil figure to uh, find fame and fortune, which he did not find. It was found later, um, and his descendants got some of that. But uh, he was claimed at 27 years old. The uh, the devil figure came back and got him, is how it sort of goes. And he sort of started the 27 Club. All the rock and rollers sadly joined later. Um, but the crossroads that Bill Luckett was probably referring to was the old 49, old 61 highway uh, crossroads, which is you know, what, uh, about five blocks from Ground Zero Blues Club in my store, generally speaking. And that's uh, East Tallahatchie, the back way to the Shack Up Inn and Hobson Commissary, and what is now Martin Luther King Drive, which was 4th Street before that, Old 61. Now, I would suggest it probably was out in the country, two dirt roads, super scary at midnight, but that's just me. <laughs> okay, the 27th Club, let's see. Uh, Janice Joplin, Morrison... Uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, Jimi Hendrix. Who am I missing? House um, was twenty-seven. Yeah, and then and then of course, uh, let's see Robert Johnson, of course. Anyway, you got. I mean, look, you look at uh, you got John Lee Hooker, Sam Cooke, Ike Turner, Muddy Waters. You mentioned Muddy Waters a few minutes ago, but you got. Man, there is history in every single one of these people, isn't there? It's incredible. I mean, and, and folks really follow. One of the things I love about well, history in general, music in general, but certainly blues, is you can start to see all of the connections and who actually knew, you know, this musician and that musician, toured with them, played with them, recorded them with them. And you see sort of all the connections. And one of my favorites, who was actually from uh, Shaw, Mississippi originally, uh, but played often in Clarksdale. And in fact, his very final performance in life by happenstance at 95 years old was in front of my store. And that's Honey Boy Edwards, David Honey Boy Edwards, who was uh, one of those figures who just connects everybody. You know, he uh, said he brought little Walter to Chicago. You know, he uh, was there the night that Robert jo Johnson was poisoned or whatever happened. You know, it really is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an endless task if you want to follow blues through history. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Roger Stoller, who's coming to us from Clarksdale, Mississippi, sort of ground zero for the blues scene in Mississippi for the world, for that matter. We'll see you after this break. Reminding you why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Many 
colorful characters in the blues scene in Mississippi, I think about Super Chicken. I mean, you can think of a bunch more as we continue our conversation with Roger Stoley, who is uh, he actually owns Cat Hat Delta Blues and Folk Art. They're celebrating their 21st year in Mississippi as a Mississippi blues store. But he's also, you know, he's really involved in marketing. He had a, he had a, a career in corporate America and marketing, and he's bringing sort of that skill set to the community to continue to push this this uh, notion of the importance of Mississippi to the music scene for the entire world. And I'm really, you know, when I say that, I think, you know, somebody think, boy, they're overstating that. I'm not overstating that, am I? You are not. It's incredible. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we've come through uh, a month of festivals, uh, primarily October, September. And, you know, the folks who come from around the world, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, from Recife, Brazil, Fernando Rolam was in my store yesterday. He came for King Biscuit Blues Festival across the river in Helena, plus what we do that weekend, two weekends ago, and stayed through for Deep Blues Festival and Tennessee Williams Festival this past weekend. And he was, you know, depressed, but he had to head home yesterday, you know, heading back to Memphis to fly out. And uh, he told me since... Maybe he, his wife won't see this. Uh, his wife was back in Brazil, and he said, "I want to come back for Juke Joint Festival in April, but I can't tell her yet. You know, I got to wait you know, for the right moment." Um, but that's the kind of passion that you get. And we have people who come back for specific events every year from wherever they are around the U.S. or around the world, and then we have some who just um, they travel when they can. So you get a lot of Italians in, in August, for example, when sort of people get these month-long vacations. Um, but, you know, many of them know a lot about us, know a lot about the music and history, and some are new to it. And that's one of the things we're trying to really work towards because, uh, you know, blues fandom is kind of a, a graying demographic overall and trying to get young folks into it. Uh, you know, it's really one of our goals. It has to be. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the 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 uh, blues Delta Blues Museum a few minutes ago. But one of the things that Bill Luckett and I talked about I mentioned a few minutes ago Kingfish, but his name is Chris Stone Ingram. He's uh, a, 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 he's been celebrated. He's an award winner. Uh, when he goes over to Europe, he's he's famous. Uh, we take him for granted here, but he is literally a product of the education program of the Mississippi uh, Blues Museum, the Delta Blues Museum. And what's important about that is this point that you're making. So at the end of the day, there is a there, this whole notion of traditional blues and how do we how do we carry that into the next generation? And I think the Delta Blues Museum has done a great job through his educational outreaches of giving young people who may not have otherwise had the opportunity to have, to, to rub shoulders with some of these literally historic blues figures that are still alive today. Um, what a, I mean, it, when you think of a museum, you always think there's going to be some outreach, but in this particular case, case it, passing the, the tor torch generationally, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. Some people think of a museum and you think, oh, we're looking at the old, what came before. And we are. It's an incredible museum like that. What's left of Muddy Waters' childhood home is inside the museum. Uh, but you can also, many afternoons of the week, hear this music going on in this room. And it's the musicians who are playing the juke joints and clubs every weekend teaching the youth. So Anthony Big A. Sherrod, Lee Williams, um, John Holmes, like these real deal blues musicians teaching tomorrow. 
And Kingfish, uh, when Chris Don Ingram, when he was coming through it, uh, the main teacher was Bill Hallenmad Perry. And that's who actually gave him his nickname, Kingfish. And Bill Perry passed away this summer, or I guess it would have been at the beginning of summer. And so, you know, we, we have to keep these traditions going past that baton. You know, when I started doing this 21 years ago, or when I was a tourist before that in the late 90s, you know, you could go see blues performers in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, you still can, but you have to come to something like a juke joint festival where we really pull them out of the woodwork uh, because you're not seeing it week to week because most, I want to say many, but probably most is a better word, have passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow, even living the lifestyles that the older bluesmen lived, many of them made it into their 80s and 90s, which is incredible. Um, but, you know, I used to tell tourists, visitors at my store, you know, to go see a T-Model Ford in his 90s at Red's the Juke Joint or go see a Bilbo Walker at Ground Zero Blues Club or, you know, one of these uh, older guys play something like a Sarah's Kitchen. You know, that's as close as you can get to stepping into that history book and really kind of getting a glimpse of what it once was. Um, so I encourage folks to support the younger musicians. But whenever you see, if they're on tour, if you're here, a musician who's in their 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, a chance to see them, you know, give up that night's sleep, skip that meal, whatever, go see it, don't miss it. Because, you know, increasingly that's such a rarity. Um, the oldest still performing bluesman in the world uh, only plays about probably about three or four gigs a year. And that's 96-year-old Cadillac John Nolden down in, uh, well, from Renova, Mississippi area. And, you know, if you see him coming to uh, a festival in the region, you got to go see him because that is history. And you should know, man, you wrote uh, a couple of books. One, The Hidden History of Mississippi Blues and also Mississippi Juke Joint Confidential. You know, when you, of course, you just rat-a-tat-tat about Robert Johnson because, you know, his story is, for people who are in the blues scene, know it well, the crossroads, how he died, et cetera, how how he suspected to have been died, uh, have died. But but there's so much to learn about what was taking place in these juke joints across Mississippi. And how did you come to the realization that part of the way that you were going to help organize and promote blues from within, that you would end up writing not one but two books about it so i've always been a writer like i write columns now for blues magazines for example um you know college frankly i did english literature and journalism primarily to avoid math but because i was also always a writer so that was always part of what i did and about 10 years maybe into doing my store and to, and to doing these sort of bi-monthly interviews with older blues performers, um, History Press, which is now part of Arcadia Press Publishing, uh, contacted me and wanted a blues history book. What was funny about it, though, and that's, Miss, uh, that's the uh, Hidden History of Mississippi Blues, what's funny is they asked for this Mississippi Blues book, but then they didn't know what they wanted. So they're like, well, now you got to do a proposal. So I really thought about it. And, I, you know, I talked to my customers, every single one of them, as much as I can when they're in my store every day. And I thought, you know, instead of writing the books that already more or less exist, I'll do chapters on what people ask about the most. What are they actually interested in the most or don't understand the most? Um, so, of course, a chapter on the origins of the blues and those stories. Um, cotton, how it relates to blues, because you just don't have it without it, frankly. Right. Um, so, you know, the crossroads story and things of that nature. Uh, the second book really came about because folks, well, they ask for a book on juke joints, but folks were 
constantly kind of misusing the term juke joint to just refer to any kind of blues club or frankly sometimes just a music club that sometimes did blues. And to me, you know, a juke joint is really a house party, but the owner doesn't want you at his house. So he's got this other place that is quasi legal at best and definitely not up to code. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a party spot. And, you know, folks like with Red's Lounge is kind of the last long running one we have in Clarksdale. And he's now doing music Wednesday through Sunday nights, which is the most he's ever had reliably. Um, but with that place, yeah, I can't recommend the bathrooms, but the place itself is unbelievable. And before there was a Ground Zero Blues Club and even after there was, but maybe as a night they weren't doing music. Uh, it was not uncommon for Bill Luckett and sometimes Morgan Freeman to come down there because that was, you know, the spot. Um, it just was not reliable until recent years uh, based on tourism, sort of making it reliable. It's so interesting that you have all that that that's evolved in your life. But the jig joint, right? I mean, the jig joint story in Mississippi is one that's so darn important. Um, Steve Steve Azar did his uh, Mississippi reunion with BB King's backup band, as you know, the Kingsmen, and they did a documentary from the jig joint adjacent to the BB King Museum, and it's it's a really great documentary about how they got together and and uh, you know the music that they put together. It named at each song named after a city in in uh, Mississippi, but. Um, but but the but the boy the 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 history is so rich. And then you you ultimately you mentioned it a minute ago, but you didn't you didn't own it. <laughs> but you co-founded the Juke Joint Festival that's become a staple there. It's crazy. You know, we grew from probably so it's been going on twenty years now. We'll be doing the twenty first on April thirteenth, two thousand twenty four weekend. Hard to believe, um, but we started with probably. I don't know, three daytime, little daytime stages and maybe four or five nighttime venues, juke joints. Uh, this past year, I booked 17 free daytime stages and 26 nighttime wristband venues, over 100 blues acts. In cr just crazy. I mean, I, I think it's crazy, frankly. <laughs> but, you know, you just keep growing it. It's like, well, people keep coming. I guess we'll just keep growing it. And the first uh, folks that, that I book, because this is where my heart is at, are going to be local musicians, um, Delta musicians, you know, the older the blues performers, the better to start out with. You know, get, get those folks where you still can. And sometimes I have to twist arms, you know, I'm not playing out anymore or whatever. And it's like, well, I know the lady he's sweet on. I'll have her calling, you know, those, those kind of things, whatever it takes. I have a friend of mine from Destin who's traveled all over the world, uh, taken in the music scene. And uh, this past year, he just he shared so many stories and so many pictures from there at the Juke Joint Festival. And it's so intimate and so incredible. I love the way you do it. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Roger Stoley from Clarksdale. We'll see you after this. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Mm -hmm. 
We talk about on my show, the Ricky Matthews Show, all the time about the people who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And, you know, it just kind of rolls off my tongue. But the truth is that these are the people who join me on this show. They're, they're working in the trenches. They're doing amazing things. They're jacks of all trades. They bring entrepreneurship. They bring marketing. They bring passion. They bring historical perspective. They, you know, and on and on and on. They bring so much to the table. And Roger Stoley is one of those kind of people. And from his cat head, Delta Blues and, and uh, folk art cel- uh, store celebrating uh, 21 years. And we just talk about the history of, um, of music in Mississippi and the role that Clarksdale has played in that history. Roger, one of the, one of the things that I, me- I wanted to mention this, that Steve Azar, I mentioned him a few minutes ago, but he has the Mockingbird Songwriters Festival in Leland each year. And I've been for two or three years. And not this past year, but the year before, I ran into a group of they were they were medical students that were from Harvard or somewhere like that up in the Northeast, and they they flew. In, I'm trying to remember where they flew. Maybe they flew into Memphis and then they drove down to Leland. Leland, as you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's literally in the middle of nowhere, and here they were. You know, enjoying the Songwriters Festival, and they were, you know, sort of doing the blues trail, and part of their itinerary was to be in in Leland, Mississippi. And, you know, and I guess many years ago, you'd have never expected to run into people like that from God knows where, out in the middle of nowhere, but it's commonplace now, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, Leland is very small. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's about 70 minutes south of Clarksdale by car. Uh, but, you know, again, like all these little towns, there are blues musicians who are known, you know, to have come from there. You know, James Son Thomas, for example. And uh, for folks who do make it to Leland, they have the Highway 61 Blues Festival every year, which is small but mighty. Fantastic. Uh, they have a series of blues murals throughout the downtown. Uh, they have the Highway 61 Blues Museum, which, again, is small but mighty. And, of course, uh, Jim Henson is from there. So the visitors uh, station there has a lot of uh, Muppets stuff. Um, but it's incredible how folks will not only come to the big towns and like Clarksdale, we spent a lot of time organizing, promoting, getting the word out, having music every night. So people may stay here, but then they'll go out sort of like spokes on a bicycle wheel and they'll go see Robert Johnson's grave. They'll go see the B.B. King Museum, which is incredible in Indianola. Um, they want to drive past Parchman Farm, you know, things like that. Go to Leland. Um, if they're lucky, they run into Pat Thomas, uh, James son, Thomas's son, who's a uh, an eccentric bluesman folk artist. Uh, but that's the thing. People, if anything, come through and don't allocate enough time. And I hear that almost every day in my store. Well, your base of operation for all of this is, is Cathead. And you didn't ask me to ask you anything about it. You just wanted to join me to talk about your passion for the blues scene in Mississippi. But it's a Mississippi blues store. Tell me about it. Tell me about your store. Sure. So I founded it in summer, of July 2002. And, you know, on its surface, it is the store I always wanted to walk into but could never find. So it's everything blues, Mississippi, Delta. Uh, We've got, you know, books and DVDs and CDs and vinyl records and magazines and artwork and, of course, you know, T-shirts and all those kind of things. Um, It really is people walk in and I hear it all the time. Some version of wow when they look around or people were like, they buy something and try to head out the door and don't make it halfway through the store and come back to the counter with something else. Um, but really, 
you know, I have to make a living, obviously. Uh, but it's as much about sort of tricking people to come in so I can tell them about what's going on and try to hook them. If they're not spending the night, get them to consider spending the night. Um, if they are spending the night, well, you know, two nights. If you stay tomorrow night, you also see this, this, this and this. Um, so it's as much as a uh, sort of thinly veiled tourism effort as anything. Um, but to do it for 21 years and to survive off it, great recession, pandemic, whatever comes next, hopefully, um, you know, I guess, you know, we're doing something right. But I really think it's the fact that it's a passion project that, yes, I do have to make a living, um, but it's, you know, there are easier ways to make a living. When I was doing advertising, that's neat. I'm not going to say it was easy, but you really make a living doing that. Um, yes, yes. The, the lifestyle that you have living in this small historic town, incredible locals to begin with, a lot of characters, more per capita than I've ever run into um, in a good way. Uh, but then to have this now grow, I mean, very large group of folks who've moved here from all over the U.S., all over the world. Um, you know, if you go to Levon's down the street here, you know, she's from Sydney, Australia. If you went to the New Roxy over the weekend for Deep Blues Festival, she's from uh, Seattle. Um, eat at Hooker Grocery and Eatery, they're from Portland. I mean, it's it's incredible. And then, you know, that has helped to reinvigorate or invigorate locals to do things. You know, Stone Pony yeah. Restaurant downtown, you know, they doubtfully would have done that had it not been for events like Juke Joint Festival and a growing, uh, you know, mix of tourists from all around the world coming through kind of told them that the downtown was not really gone yet. Yeah, Roger, I look behind you. I see old albums. I see some eclectic uh, pictures and framed uh, art. I bet your stuff is hanging all over the world. It's crazy. People will send me pictures uh, of things, you know, when they get something. I'm actually sitting at home right now, but my store is like this, only much more and much louder, I guess. Uh, but I'll get folks who, I have one guy, and I don't know where he's from originally. Every once in a while, six, eight months, he'll send a picture of one of my baseball caps uh, just sitting somewhere famous. And that's so cool. That means you made a connection with somebody. And that also means he'll be back. <laughs> that's what that means. Uh, Roger Stoley, it has been a pleasure to spend some time with you, my friend. Thank you so much, and uh, I love your show. Thank you very much. This has been uh, the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. Have a great day, and we will, uh, for the Jackson and Delta Marcus, we'll see you next week on the coast. We'll see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.